أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome all you listening to Rahil Hamza and Shafiq Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Verbal Outpost where we like to have an informal conversation about real topics and we'd also like you to take part so make sure you do leave us a comment or drop us an email on verbaloutpost at outlaw.com with your thoughts and comments Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back to the second part of the Verbal Outpost where we've been talking about um, the emotions we feel as, as a community and how that responds um, the main focus around that has been um, in, in line with the situation in, in Palestine. Um, we've been talking about how people might have responded, so things like protests and raising money funds to help support them. Um, but there has also been an, another reaction, almost, I guess, a reaction to a reaction, if you like, where there's been a WhatsApp message. You may have seen it, where you have two pictures, one where supposedly a, a, a crowd of Muslims at a demo, uh, and then a a picture right next to it of the masjid hall and it's completely empty and and the essence of the message is we need to be going to the masjid before we start thinking about demos or doing both together perhaps uh, have you guys seen that picture i think uh yes because i think i i forwarded it on to you that's triggering that as a verbal confirmation for our audience <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can thank uh, me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen it in another group, incidentally, but <laughs> it's been it's been uh, doing the rounds, as it were. But it's also um, not the first time. So I feel like been... I've yeah, I feel like I've seen messages like that in the past before as well. In in, in, in line with Palestine or other things. I, I think, think Shafiq was... means other 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 incident sort of global events around the world. Is yeah, it? that's right. Yeah. Hmm. It it. It's, I mean, I've got to be honest, it's a very common argument that I've heard a number of times when things have happened in the past. Yeah, so I feel like this is something that crops up every time there is an issue or any time where Muslims have feel obliged to respond to a particular event. Yeah, for example, the, uh, the invasion of Afghanistan, of Iraq, where a million people marched in London. So I feel like this comes out every few years, this argument. It's not even just about the text message that gets circulated. I think it's just this argument, this narrative. There's a video that I circulated in our WhatsApp group as well, where there's a YouTube scholar. Um, he's a well-known scholar on um, from one of the Muslim TV channels. And he was asked the question, what can a lay person, I don't even think that was a question, but the, the question he answered was, what can a lay person do to help our brothers and sisters in Palestine? Just to ask a question before you give the answer, hmm. uh, was this a, a scholar on YouTube or are we having a different bracket of YouTube scholars? Okay. He was a scholar who answers questions on one of the mainstream Islamic channels on TV. Okay. Who who happens to also be 
on YouTube? Uh, on, on YouTube as okay, well. So okay, okay. So he's so not one of the YouTube scholar. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, so he's not sort of, he, he, he's apparently, he's on a mainstream TV channel. Okay, so okay. make of that whatever you want. Um, but his response to the question was, what can a lay person do to help our brothers and sisters? Yeah, well, it's about a minute and a half. It was basically you can't do anything because you're insignificant. Um, leave it to the scholars and leave it to important people and uh, don't cause fitna in the earth. So all you can do is just make dua for them. And if there's a bit of charity, yeah, throw a bit of money at them. And maybe that's a very subcontinent kind of Middle Eastern ex-colony type mentality i don't know but i feel like conflating two things if we just take that particular message conflating things about religiousness about spirituality and protest i think they're not mutually exclusive right they can overlap they can be quite um different but yeah it's not one at the expense of other. You can pray Fajr and you can protest. Okay, there's some people that aren't going to be praying Fajr, right? It's mm. conflating two quite different things. If people aren't praying Fajr, I mean, that's a bit of an issue. But if people are having sentiments towards um, their Muslim brothers and sisters and want to go and do something to support, I think it's a real shame when people get shut down and get told to, look, just there's nothing that you can do because you're not important enough. Um, and just sit at home and make dua and that's enough for you i just feel like we've moved beyond that and particularly with things like black lives matter with the uh, me too movement there's some protests that have created some major systemic shifts in society okay so i think yeah the power of protest and these things can have a very big impact and i think it's a bit of a shame when you get some i say in sort of speech marks, you get some scholars who are a little bit naive to the real world who dismiss anything that the lay person does because they're somehow intellectually superior to us. Sorry, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox again. <laughs> I've probably offended yeah. many people, but do you know what? That's <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, but I always thought, yeah, I mean, I always thought the argument for the, the, that those scholars make about sort of the protests and whatnot is that they say Islamically it's not allowed. I don't, you know, I don't know how they've got to that opinion and what evidence they have to support that. But it was all having a protest in the first place is not allowed. And, it, you know, as you said, mentioned in your comment is that it causes fitna. And maybe that's why they got to that conclusion. And that's why they direct people away from protests and you know, focus on doing dua and helping in other ways. Um, I thought that was always why those scholars say what they say. Not to say that I agree with any of that, but I'm just saying that's why they're at that conclusion. And obviously, if those scholars feel strongly about that opinion, then yeah, of course, they're going to be telling other people, look, don't go out to these protests and don't do this because, you know. I, I mean, I don't want to go off at a tangent, but we need to be very, 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 very careful with taking which scholars we take knowledge from okay um we've talked about this in previous weeks and I, mm. I i don't want to tar all scholars with the same brush but there's there are many many so-called scholars that i've heard that there's a saying which you know uses a bit of profanity so i'm not going to use it but they, they, they don't know um 
Yeah, they don't know their sort of arm from their elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I mean, I'm not disrespecting any of the scholars. They are the inheritors of the prophets. And I think the sincere scholars absolutely deserve significant amounts of respect. Mm. And they lead the community. So absolutely not talking about all scholars. But there are many, many scholars that are just incredibly naive to the real world, are just incredibly disconnected. The way that we talk about politicians here in the UK and how they're just so disconnected from the mainstream population. I feel, unfortunately, we've got many scholars that are just completely distant from the lay people, that you, you know, people like you and mm. I. So I, I, I just just be very careful who you take your knowledge from and just always sense check it as well because you don't want to be um, misled by somebody. That's an interesting side point you mentioned. I mean, it, it reminds me of a talk I heard, this is going back a while, um, and, and the imam or scholar, wherever he was, whatever his title was, um, in his series, he, he made a point that when he has a student um, that's about to become an imam or something or training to be an imam before he officially puts them in that role he'll say to them go out and get a normal you know regular job as it were so that when the people come to you you can actually relate to them rather than just being somebody who's read the books and you can give it an answer from a textbook point of view you've got that you know real world experience as it were um, which is an interesting point isn't it and that's the exact same argument that people use against politicians here. They talk about how, um, yeah, for example, Boris Johnson, who's prime minister at the moment, that he, yeah, from the age of four or five years old, he's been through the Eton school system, private, privately educated at Eton, and then went to uh, yeah, Oxford or Cambridge, I don't know which one. But they've gone through this trajectory that's kind of been predefined and that is very, very isolated from the majority of people, from the, yeah, the mainstream public like you and I. And they've not really had a regular job. And then there's a joke like, you know, they don't know how much the price of uh, yeah, a pint of milk is or a loaf of bread because mm. they, they're just completely disconnected. So it's unfortunate that we have scholars like that as well who have potentially spent all of their life in an islamic school have probably never worked a regular job like us and are disconnected and i think i i find i i think that advice that you mentioned i don't know who said that raheel but that's some great advice and yeah absolutely yeah his name is abdul nasir jangda um i don't know if you've heard of him but yeah i've heard of him yeah, again, I don't know what his, you know, his, his title is, as it were, but, you know, mashallah, he's just some good stuff. Yeah, so those um, scholars that sort of said that about those protests on the TV show, then obviously that was the, I mean, I don't know if that's an emotional response or, or, or just a response, but for those people that are calling in wanting to help out, um, I don't think we should ever obviously discourage anyone who's trying to do some sort of a good deed, you know, um, of the three of us, we've sort of had discussions before, haven't we, in the past, where there are people that fast during the month of Ramadan, you know, mm. but they're not praying, but should you be discouraging that person from fasting if they don't pray? Um, and I think it's quite yeah. important that, you know, if an emotion, you know, encourages you to do something good, then you should never, I think, 
prevent that person from doing that or discourage them from doing that just saying look well, but you're not doing this so how can you do this yeah absolutely what what one deed will never negate another good deed will it um yes obviously you've got your in terms of categories you've got your obligations and then the extras etc but just because somebody isn't praying which obviously they should be but if they then go out and give a bit of charity or they fast in Ramadan then that's still a good deed isn't it still another obligation that shouldn't be neglected um, or discouraged even yeah I, I, I really like that point Shafiq um, about yeah, if somebody's fasting during the month of Ramadan we don't put them off from fasting because they're not doing certain other deeds because we could probably dismiss everything that we do because we're making a mistake somewhere and we're never going to be perfect we'll always make a mistake somewhere and I think maybe we should if there is an issue with people who are incredibly passionate about injustices around the world actually i think we should say to them that look that's great that you've got this sentiment about the ummah and the community but yeah what about how about we go and pray together as well so you know rather than sort of mm. throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that look you know well you shouldn't protest because you're not praying go and pray first and then go and protest say to them well you're protesting already um you know go that little extra step further the same same way we, we would do with salah as well is that look you know pray your salah during ramadan but mean try and maintain that outside as well yeah that's really good yeah. yeah i was thinking about it like me i mean in terms of my personal self we talk about sort of emotions you know a few years back i applied for a new job and you know i put the application through and everything and i could could have just left it at that carried on with my prayers and whatnot but the emotional side of things look I've done my part in terms of the application, but there's more I could do. I can ask Allah for help. I can make dua to Allah and say, look, Allah, I've put this application through. I did the best I could in it. You know, please make it successful for me. So as Hamza was saying about um, that person, you know, that cares about injustice and whatnot, you can encourage that person to also make dua and ask Allah to make sure this protest that you're doing or organizing is successful. Um, so there are ways of doing it and encouraging people to do um good things and you know we sort of talking about emotions um i was thinking as well when death that always um when someone passes away in your family i've always seen people who are run to the masjid you know after someone passes away they run to the masjid they're doing their extra prayers i mean especially if they're inclined mm. towards islam anyway um they go to the masjid that you see them praying more they're reading more quran you know just whatever they can that's their emotional response and i don't think we should ever discourage anyone from acting that way especially because it's, it's a good response it's not necessarily anything bad about that they're trying to find comfort um, in being close to allah i've seen the opposite as well actually saying that but these are people who were maybe never that close to allah in the first place where they're almost cursing allah for taking someone away from them in their family and you know it's not nice mm, to see yeah <laughs> it's not nice to see but i can I, I feel like i can understand why they're upset because obviously you know it's not nice it's never going to be easy for a family member of yours to pass away um so you may question why allah has done that you may question why allah has done that so um it's about trying to find that answer um whether it's it's reading more about the prophet or reading quran and you can maybe find a way to 
feel okay about it. I don't know. It's a lengthy process. Unfortunately, I haven't, you know, thankfully, sorry, not unfortunately, thankfully, I haven't been through that myself, but I've just seen it in other people. So go, going back to the, um, the, the post that we, we mentioned, um, where people say, well, why are you protesting if you're not praying? Uh, I've always understood that to be um, in, in line with the, I think it's a hadith, I believe it's a hadith, which, and, and to, to paraphrase, um, says that Allah will not change the people until they change themselves. Uh, again, I'm not sure if it's a, an ayah of the Quran or if it's a hadith, but do you think there's some, some ground in that in, to suggest that, yes, we should be doing one thing before the other? I mean, yes, we should be doing both. But just like when you're building a house, for example, you, you don't build the roof before you build the foundation. There's a particular order to some things, isn't there? So do, you, do you think there's some validity in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that argument as well. Um, but I suppose it comes down to, do we go from the bottom up or the top down? So the bottom up approach would be, right, we try and get the mosques as full as possible and try and get as many people in as we mm. possibly can, okay? And we change things from the inside, okay? Um, how doable is that? I don't know. Um, there's been many organizations, Islamic groups that have tried to do that in the past. Um, yet the tide of Westernism, materialism, um, is just so strong Mm, so very particularly, prevalent, isn't it? Yeah, particularly here in the West. Um, how do you go up against that? Um, so, you know, ag again, it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Are you looking at those people as not being good enough or are you seeing it as, are you seeing them as being a work in progress? And we talked about this, I think, in the first couple of shows. So if you've not listened to them, go back, listen to episode one and two. <laughs> where we talked about um, as we're getting older, we're seeing the glasses being more half full than half empty. So actually, if people are doing these little things and we've got such a big tide of atheism, materialism, over hyper-sexualized societies, um, and that's being opened up. So it's not just about the West. You've got the internet, you've got YouTube, and that's just being broadcast in every country across the globe with an internet connection. So you've, we're constantly getting bombarded with this. So when Muslims, young Muslims do get emotional about things happening around the world, about injustice, yeah, at least they're not in the, you know, Bob Ankla you, know, mm. the, the, you know, they're getting up to no good and you know, doing drugs or whatnot. So at least there's something to work with, right? So- You know what? Uh, uh, yeah, no, go on. I was just going to say, it reminded me of um, uh, the local masjid. It's going back a couple of years now. Um, you know how you, during Taravi and, and whatnot, you always have those kids at the back running around and making a bit of a noise and people say, why are you kids at the back? You know, sit down and pray. And, do this. <laughs> and, and, and I can't remember who it was, but they, 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 they spoke to the imam about it and he says, look, I'd rather they be in here in the masjid running yeah. around and making a bit of noise than being outside in the streets doing God knows what. Exactly. So yeah. they might not be doing what you would want them to do in, in an ideal situation, um, which is going to have, you know, a different ball of conversation, really. You know, have we given yeah. them therapy for, for one thing? Um, but at least they're not out there doing 
God knows what. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, there may be cases. So again, it, it, terminology is probably quite important. So by protests, I'm not talking about. I mean, you hear some people and they talk about it being like some meat market or something, and you know, as if it's some wedding, and yeah, you know, all the women are tarted up and the guys are on the prowl, and that's the way they describe it. So I, I, I don't know. I've not been, I've not been to a protest like that, but <laughs> if, there are, if there are any protests like that, um, I, who have you been talking to? I, Hamza? I haven't heard anyone describe these protests. Yeah. In, in, Maybe these people sort of went words. to the wrong event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, this story a marriage uh, marriage event and uh, ended up at this protest. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they ended up at, at city centre at the wrong time or something. Ended up at you know eleven o'clock at night rather than eleven a.m. So <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. But. Um, I, if if there's scenarios like that, then I mean that's quite different. But I'm talking about where it's a protest against um, a certain cause, certain injustice. That I think we should give young people a pat on the back and try and encourage them to do more good. I think is what we should be doing. Okay, brilliant. So obviously we're talking quite a length that. You know, around this scenario, this is just is in a very much public sphere, isn't it? Um, but let's say somebody is adamant to say, right, I, I'm of the belief that we can't do anything, so I'm just going to sit here and make the war, right? Let's somebody's going to adamantly sit down. There's no change in his mind or her mind, I guess. Um, how about we take it to a personal sphere rather than a public? So we also have, you know, again going back to that emotional response, um, people responding in what you might consider as a strange way or uh, unusual way in that respect, because uh, uh, to draw an example, if you see somebody and he's doing something wrong or something like, and you say, brother, maybe you shouldn't do this. Sometimes you might find they might lash out and say, oh, do I, do I know you? No, I don't know you. Why are you telling me what to do? Or if we do know some people, they might even respond, and I've heard this myself as well, is, well, how can you be telling me what to do when you used to do this? How did you become all of a sudden become so, so religious and so, you know, in tune with the spiritual self and whatnot? So we have this kind of response. I mean, if we take it even one step further, you've got people who, um, you know, you say the wrong thing to the wrong member of family, and that's it. They're not going to talk to you for the rest of their life. So... We've got all these different type of emotional responses. How do we tie that back into that? Just as you know, because we only got a few more minutes, so <laughs> as closing comments, I guess. I, th I think the key word is wisdom, and um, oh, I don't remember who it was. Was it was it the two sons of? It was the two sons of Ali radiallahu anhu. Was it? Wasn't it? I think Hassan and Hussein. But there was a new. Um, there was a new convert and he was struggling to make wudu and the kids they knew he was doing it wrong but they didn't want to embarrass him and say look um you know you're doing wudu wrong so this is how you do it and we know better than you mate um they used hikmah they used wisdom and i think unfortunately that can be lacking as well and i think particularly when, when you throw family in the mix as well and there's a whole load of baggage from many years gone by it can be a bit of a powder keg um, 
but ultimately it's about trying to be use as much hikmah and as much wisdom as possible and i think bringing it back to the conversation um if we can take out as much emotion as possible that always helps significantly yeah looking at things objectively is going to help you uh, you know a great deal in that sense um and I think, you know, sometimes when we might already be in that situation and we thought, oh, well, I've already committed 10 years to, to this grudge. There's nothing to say you can't change your mind about it. You can't just, you know, take take the better road, as it were, at any point. Um, but unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Um, but thank you all for listening, however many may be listening. And uh, we'll see you again next week. So do drop us your thoughts and comments. Our email address again is verbaloutpost@outlook.com, or you can drop us a message on the podcast channels as well. But until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah.